All right. Good morning. Mission Impossible theme there. That's like the theme song for these guys getting on off the stage in 30 seconds. So it's a Mission Impossible. We're talking about Christ's mission for the church and the mission for your life is to, if I show you this, you're going to say multiply. God's mission for your life and his church is to multiply. We're going to break down what that means again this morning. We started that last week and uh, asked you guys to be prayerful and, and to and to live a life, to commit to a life of multiplication. I was talking with uh, someone in our church, someone I love dearly. And this was just a few months ago and they were not making the best choices. And as I talked to this friend, I, I could have got into the specifics of why they were making those choices and, and don't do that again. And what were you thinking and all this kind of stuff. But I just felt compelled to ask him the question. I said, what is the vision for your life? I mean, what are the go- What do you have as the goals for your life? What do you know if at the end of your life and you look, you go, I was success- successful in the right things. And this friend in our church said the things that are pretty typical. He said, um. I want to have a good job and I want to be able to provide for myself. I want life to go smooth. I want everything to kind of just work itself out and be okay and have no major issues or problems in my life. And I just looked him right in the eyes and I said, listen, there's so much more to live for than that right there. There is so much bigger plan that God has for your life than to just kind of get by without having any choppy waters. And so I call, I was trying to call something out of this man to say, you've got something so much bigger to live for. God has a plan for your life that is an adventure that he's calling you to that is going to stretch you. He's going to use you. He's going to draw you near to him. And don't miss out on that because that is what God has for your life. Don't settle for a good job. Speaking of calling something out of somebody, I was... Uh, I'm my son's basketball coach, and Gabe and I were talking. I think this is my last year to be my son's basketball coach. But before the season started, I was he said he wanted to train, and he wanted to be an all-star in the rec league. And so I was outside coaching him, training him, pushing him, uh, admittedly so, being a little hard on him. And he was getting frustrated, and Dad was getting frustrated. And, and, and it just, I think it was God. It just kind of hit me. It was like, dummy, you're doing this all wrong. He has no idea what you're trying to do. And so I just said, time out, man. I said, Dane, there's a great basketball player inside of you. There is a great player. I see it. You've got the skills and the mentality. You can be something special in basketball. And if that's what you want to be, then I'm here to call that out of you. I'm calling the great player out of you, son. I believe that is you. I believe that it's in you. And if you'll let me work with you and if you want it, that's what you can be. I was trying to call out of him what was already in there if he would let me. Can I tell you this morning, guys, as the pastor at Crossroads Church, that is my, that's my role here as, as the leader here. I want to call that out of this church. I want to call that out of each one of you, that there is a disciple of Jesus Christ in each one of you that lives a vibrant, godly, humble, holy, useful, powerful life for Jesus Christ. And if you'll let me, I want to call that out of you. And if you'll let me, I believe all around this room there's multipliers. People that are going to live for Jesus and love Jesus and draw other people to Jesus and teach them to live the lifestyle of Jesus just like you're living. I want to call that out of each one of them to be a multiplier for Jesus Christ. And so that's what we're talking about this morning. How do each one of us become a multiplier for him? 
I can tell you this. Someone did it for me. My freshman year at college, I couldn't find a Bible verse anywhere in the Bible. That's how spiritual I was. I've been a Christian for a couple of years. I couldn't find a single, I couldn't find John 3, 16 if you paid me. And somebody came alongside me and said, hey, dummy, let me show you John 3, 16. And let me show you this. And they began to teach me how to get study the Bible and read the Bible. They taught me how to pray. They showed me how to share my faith. They taught me how to live the Christian life. When I was screwing up, they'd say, hey, don't do that anymore. Don't treat people that way. And they walked those several men God brought into my life to teach me and show me how to live as a disciple of Jesus Christ. And by the end of my college career, it took me five years, but at the end of my college career, I was able to lead people to Jesus and, and teach them how to live the Christian, the Jesus lifestyle. And they were winning other people for Jesus Christ. And by God's grace, I was learning how to become a multiplier for him. And what I realized in that culture where I was at, in that body of believers, that was the normal thing. That's what was expected. That's what you're supposed to do. Every follower of Christ is supposed to multiply. They're supposed to tell others about Jesus. They're supposed to help other people grow. They're supposed to help other people learn how to do that with other people. That was the norm. Guys, can I tell you, the sermon series we're doing and the the refocusing we're doing on disciple making, that is our desire, that this would be the norm in our church. It would be normal for you to share your faith. It would be normal for you to be a disciple of His. It would be normal for you to multiply other disciples. Man, that's what God wants for this church. I believe it with all my heart. And that's what He wants for you in your life. It was normal for Paul. And as we look at some scriptures this morning, we're going to recognize that this was sort of the normal pattern for the new, the new church. And if you want to turn in your Bibles to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1 and 2, Paul starts to explain what it means to be a multiplier individually in our own lives. And he's writing a letter to his protege, Timothy. The book's called Timothy. It's written to Timothy. It's for Timothy. How simple is that? I like it when God makes it easy like that. And Timothy was a young leader trying to figure out how to lead a church and how to help them multiply disciples like Paul had taught him how to do. And in verse 1 he says this. You then, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Let me stop right there. He calls him his son. Now, that's not his biological son. He met him in Lystra. Paul was traveling on on a mission trip, and he met this young man, and he takes him under his wing, and he says, I want you to come with me. And Timothy says yes. And in Acts chapter 16 through 20, you can watch Timothy traveling with Paul, learning the Jesus lifestyle, learning how to follow God, learning how to love God with all of his heart, learning how to be a disciple, and also how to make other disciples as he replicated, replicated what Paul was doing. And so he writes him this, my son, the one I love, the one I've, I care about, you, you that I've invested in. Remember this. And he writes verse 2. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses, entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. What Paul is challenging young Timothy to do is to take the Great Commission personally. Remember we read that last time, last week in Matthew chapter 28 verses 16 through 20. He says, go make what? Disciples of all nations. Go make what? Disciples of where? Of who? 
All nations. A whole world needs to know about what Christ has done and the life that He gives and the forgiveness that He gives. And so if you can tell others about that and help them grow in that and they can share it with others, then I want you to take that person to the young Timothy. That's not a Paul thing. That's not an apostle thing. That's not an original disciple thing. That's an everybody thing. And He challenges them to to make disciples of all nations. Now look, God's method for making disciples... Is us. That's what that tells us. It's for you and me. Paul was instructing Timothy. And Timothy uh, went and did it with others. And now God wants that for us too. That means we go and we tell people. We reach people. We connect people. They get baptized. We teach them how to live the Jesus lifestyle. And listen. It happens one life at a time. One life at a time. If you look back in the passage here in verse 2, he says, this is how you do it. He says, Paul's writing to Timothy, so that's one connection there, right? That's one generation of disciple making. Just like I've spent time with you, Timothy, now you need to find some what? What's the passage say? Reliable people. Don't just take anybody. Find somebody that's serious about their faith, who loves God. So, Timothy, what I've done with you, you find some others that are faithful like you, and you pour into them so that they can what? Sit on their thumbs? So they can pass it on to others. In that passage, there's four generations of disciples. And remember last time in this section right here, you guys were the special golden children, remember? And we've illustrated what that looked like, that it it, it reaches people, reaching more people, reaching more people. It's like the old Amway commercials. It's beautiful when it's done for Jesus Christ. You reach two friends and you teach two friends and so on and so on and so on. So here's the deal. Organizations, even churches, they don't make disciples. Corporations don't make disciples. People do. People like you and you and you and me and you and you. God wants to use every single person in this room to make disciples for him that will make disciples for him so that we, where'd my card go? So that we would multiply disciples into all nations until Jesus Christ comes back. So that when he comes back, like we sang about, there'd be throngs of people, there'd be multitudes of people, not just a handful of people, not just a few people, but all kinds of people praising God, praising him, telling how great he is because they know and they've experienced and they've passed on the goodness of God to others. And that's an awesome plan. That is God's plan for your life and for mine. Now, it takes people to move people through the maturing process. Let me ask you a question. I think I already know the answer. But show of hands, how many of you love having a problem in calling customer service? If you raise your hand, you are a sicko. I mean, can I help you? I mean, if you love to hear that, I mean, if that's your favorite thing, then you've got serious problems. We'll get you some counseling. Nobody loves calling customer service. But let me ask you what's worse. Do you like to call customer service and talk to the same person each time you call back? Or would you prefer to talk to somebody new every time you call and have to explain the whole situation over and over and over again? Don't you hate that? You just want to gouge your eyes out by the time about the fourth call, right? There's something about relationship. There's something about walking someone through a process. There's something about staying with somebody through the long haul to help them get their computer fixed or help them become a disciple of Christ. The principle is the same. 
Churches and organizations don't make disciples. You make disciples. And you make disciples. And you make disciples. And you make disciples. And what that looks like is, is you get next to somebody and you walk them along a, a process and a path. So if I asked you, now I've given the answer away, but if I asked you, is the church really an organization or a corporation, or should we look at it more as a family? It's a family, isn't it? It has some other elements to it, but when you boil it down, it ought to feel like a family. We should be able to say like Paul did to Timothy, my son, the one I love, the one I've invested in, the one I've shed blood over and prayed for and cried for, my son. It's a, it's a relationship, it's a family. In fact, he says this, Paul writes this in 1 Corinthians 4, he says this. I'm writing this not to shame you, but to warn you as my what? Dear children, my dear children. Listen to this. Even if you had 10,000 guardians in Christ, you do not have many what? Fathers. For in Christ Jesus, I became your father through the what? Through the gospel. See, when I shared Jesus with you and you said yes to Jesus, you became born again. And guess what? I'm your daddy. And I want, I want to walk you through the growing process. I want to be there along the way. I'm not going to leave you. I'm going to walk with you. And so Paul took him under his son, under his wing as a son. I can still remember getting uh, wristbands put on me when my three kids were born. I still remember that and how excited I was the days we all had it planned out. She got induced every time. I didn't, I didn't have one water breaking story. I was so bummed out about that. I wanted one 90 miles an hour to the hospital story. I didn't get any. We knew we walked in. We say hi to everybody. Oh, it's time to be. So it wasn't that fun for me. Thanks a lot, Kate. I can remember getting that wristband on and I'm thinking, this is like a 30 year, 40 year of my life. This is a commitment for the rest of my life. I mean, not once did I get that wristband on and we have this baby and think, I'll stick with him for six or eight months. Or I'll give him a, you know, until the first poopy diaper, I'm with you. I didn't think that. And when the terrible twos came around, I didn't think, well, I think my time's about done with this one as much as I wanted to. As we start to walk into the teenage years, I'm about 50-50 on this whole thing. As hard as any phase of growth, any challenge, any, any problem or hardship I've had with my kids, here's one thing they know and I know. I'm not going anywhere. Because we're a family. And I'm going to be with them through thick or thin. And we're not leaving each other. That's what I know. Guys, when it comes to making disciples for Jesus Christ, we've got to re reposition our brain that it's not churches that make disciples, it's us. And if we will adopt one another into our families as followers of Jesus Christ, we can have a significant impact for Christ and his kingdom. As we take people into our families. And so Paul says, don't forget, I became your father. I became your father through the gospel. Therefore, I urge you to what? To imitate me. 
To live like me. Which leads us into the first point I'm going to make. Is if you're going to make disciples individually. If God's challenging you to make disciples. There's something about your lifestyle. That's something about the way you live. And the quality of your life. That is absolutely important and foundational. In order to make disciples. In fact, Paul said this to Timothy also. He says this. uh, 1 Corinthians 4.17 says. For this reason. He's writing to the church in Corinth and he's sending his son Timothy. He says, for this reason, I send you Timothy, my son, whom I love, who is faithful in the Lord. He will remind you of my way of life in Christ Jesus, which agrees with what I teach everywhere in every church. What he's saying is this, Timothy, I can send in my stead because his life looks like my life. He's, I'm imitating Jesus Christ and, and Timothy has learned by imitating me to follow Jesus Christ. Just pause that for a second. Is that always what happened in our homes? Are our children looking more like Jesus Christ as they imitate our life? Or people in our small group, when they when they see us and how they live, are they looking at our lives and our marriages and how we treat people and going, I want to live like that because that looks more like Jesus Christ. Are the people that you work with and then your neighbors, when they watch your lifestyle and they say, there's something about them. I can't put my finger on it, but there's something genuine about that. There's something alluring to that. And if, I, if I'm being honest, I want to be more like that. Because it's not about just memorizing Bible verses or, or spouting off how much you know. When he talked about Timothy, his disciple, he said I'm, he's faithful. There's a quality to his life. He says there's a way of life that he, he's living. That's about allowing God change who we are in the, in the deep root of who we are. And allowing the Holy Spirit and change our attitudes and our actions. To change how we look at people and we talk to people. See, if our discipleship and our following Jesus Christ isn't challenging us to change our lives, it's missing the mark. Because real discipleship is like what, what Paul's talking about, Timothy, is he's, his life looks really different than it used to live. Because he's imitating Jesus Christ. And so here's how you make disciples. You gotta live like a disciple. You can't make disciples if you don't live like a disciple. And so the first step in making disciples is simply this. You make disciples by following Jesus in front of others. You you follow Jesus Christ and, and you do it in such a way you invite people into watching you in victory and watching you fail. You hear me? You invite them in close enough where you get past the how you doing, I'm fine stuff. And you get into, here's where my marriage is today. And here's how God is redeeming that today. And by the grace of God, he's going to change me and make me new. Because when we break it down, any form of discipleship, more things are caught than are taught. Do you agree with that? More things are caught than are taught. It's true in our homes as we do parenting, isn't it? Because you can tell your kids all day long, hey, when something bad happens, don't freak out. God's got it. It's under control. Everything's good. But when something bad happens and you lose it and you blow your top, what are your kids going to do when something goes bad? They're going to flip out. Because they learned that from you and they learned that from me. And so we live as a disciple of Christ in front of others. Understanding that none of us are perfect. 
knowing that that's not really the idea here, but that we're making progress in following Jesus Christ. The same thing in the church, guys. It's true in our families and it's true as we make disciples. If we're not following Christ, we'll never produce in something else that we're, someone else that we're not doing already. So here's what we do. We eat up the scriptures. I mean, people ought to see us reading God's word. We ought to be talking about his word because we're so in love with what God has to say to us in his word that we, we can't let it, we can't help it. It comes out of our mouths. And we trust God when something bad, we trust God. How's that going to work? I don't know, but I know there's a God who does, and I trust God. They should see that happening. They should see us praying like we're breathing. Oh, there's something going on. Well, let's pray about that. Or, or what are you doing? I'm praying. Or I'm praying for you. The prayer ought to be like as natural as breathing. And what results is a life distinctly different from other believers. You know, there's a lot of people that say, I'm a Christian. But if you press them on it, they're really not a disciple. So here's the good news. If you and I will live as a disciple of Jesus Christ, it stands out. It's different. It's radically different than what we call Christianity in America today. And people are drawn to that. And you can make a difference in their life. Can I just tell you, I see it all the time as a pastor, but I'll I'll make mention of Michael Fast. He got saved, what, a year and a half ago, Michael? Something like that. And his life, man, it's been amazing to watch Michael grow in the last year and a half. I mean, he loves God. He's, he listens to podcasts while he works because you can't get enough of the word. And he's a man of prayer and he serves in our church and he's faithful and he's good to his family. And I've watched Michael grow and then it dawned on me and no duh. There's, there's a reason that that's happening because he's hanging out with guys like Rich Bray and Rodney Austin and Story Tate and Ryan Barry. And he's hanging around guys that love Jesus. And when you do that, that rubs off on you. And he's becoming a disciple that's going to make more disciples because he's around the right people. And those people are making disciples. And that's how it happens. So if you want to make disciples, like God wants you to make disciples, follow hard after Jesus. Follow hard after Jesus. Unashamedly follow Jesus. Do the right thing when it's hard. Get up early and spend time with them. But that's not all. He also says to Timothy in uh, 1 Corinthians 16, 10, he says this about Timothy. He says, when Timothy comes, see to it that he has nothing to fear while he is with you. For he is carrying on, get this, he's carrying on the work of the Lord just as I am. So not only is Timothy a disciple who lives a certain way and is distinct and he's making disciples by his lifestyle, he's also doing some things that are distinctly uh, disciple-making. He's doing the same work that Paul was doing, now Timothy is doing. He had taught Timothy to live out the great commission of going and making and baptizing and teaching disciples. And the things that Paul would do, Timothy now did. It's pretty simple when you think about it. We talk about connect, grow, share, multiply. We make disciples as we pray for lost people. This is the two by four stud from your K through five class. And our, your kids are in there each Sunday writing down names of people they don't know are Christians or not yet. And they're praying for these kids. Look at that. Your kids are praying that people would come to know Jesus. 
They're praying that they would know the God who loves them and died on the cross from those kids are praying for lost people. And every ministry and small group in our church has one of these. And if your group leader is not using them, get on them. Because we need to be praying that God would change the heart of lost people and they would see their need for Jesus Christ and they'd come running to Him. And when they come running to Him, then we can help them become a what? A disciple of His. So we connect people to Christ. We help them grow in their faith in a small group. We teach them how to share all that God has given them, their talents, their resources, their time, in order that God's kingdom would move forward. And then ultimately, we want to teach every single person in our church how to multiply that life into the life of another. That's how you make it. That's the work of disciple making. That's the work of disciple making right there. Now, I want to be very clear about this because we all have a certain bent. Some of us are evangelists and we like the front end of that. And we want to tell people about Jesus, tell people about Jesus, tell people about Jesus. Praise God. We do that. But we also do the back end stuff of cleaning the diapers right after the birth. You with me? We stay with them through the the terrible twos and the teenage years, don't we? We walk them through a process of discipleship. Then others would say, I love teaching God's word and I like getting deep and, and making disciples that are really knowledgeable or are really spiritual and praise God for you. That's good. But it's not to the neglect of the, of the other, is it? Because when you're a daddy, you're there at birth, right? And when you're a mama, you're definitely there at birth. Unless I got something wrong. The whole process Hear me. The whole process is whose responsibility? Feedback time. It's us. When God makes disciples, He's used people like you and me. It's us. And He wants to use us in the whole process of making a disciple who makes other disciples. Tell me something. Is that a pretty big vision for your life? Is that a pretty awesome responsibility? Wouldn't it be pretty amazing that someone that didn't know Jesus is now helping lead other people to Jesus because you were faithful to make disciples that made disciples? Would that pretty much fire you up? That'd fire me up. Yeah. So here's what he did, man. He spent time with Timothy. And for several years, he had Timothy under his wing. And at a certain point, Timothy was ready and he cut Timothy loose. And then every year after that, Paul had basically doubled his life because now he was in one place and Timothy was doing the same thing in another place. He had multiplied his life through Timothy. But he didn't just stop with Timothy. Let me find my list here. Uh, he had guys, he trained uh, Barnabas and Silas and Erastus and Apollos and there's others. Paul took this thing seriously over and over again. He multiplied his life because he knew multiplying disciples was the only way that everyone on the planet would know Jesus Christ. That's why he did it. And so he was relentless about it. He took the Great Commission, hear me clearly, he took the Great Commission personally and seriously. He took the Great Commission to go make disciples of all nations. He took that personally and he took that seriously. When I say he took it seriously, it's not a suggestion like when you tell your kids to clean their room. You know what I'm saying? Hey, I thought I told you to clean your room. Yeah, well, I didn't. <laughs> Come on, y'all a bunch of liars. Your kids do that too, right? I'll be really upset with you next time you don't do that. Next time. 
It wasn't a suggestion. He said, take it seriously, man. This is, this is heaven and hell. This is eternity at stake. This is whether people are spending eternity praising me or eternity of people agonizing because they don't know me. He said, take it seriously. And he says, take it personally. I mean, take it personally. Like this isn't for the person sitting next to you. Not, not that somebody else is going to do that. God wants to use you to make disciples. And you say, I, I don't know how. We're here to help you to know how. But what he's got to have is a willing heart to say, I will. I will make disciples. I'm going to do that. See, a leader, you don't have to have a position. You don't have to have a certain level of responsibility. God has given permission to each one of us to lead in the area of making disciples. And a leader knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. You might want to write that down. That's a good quote. That ain't mine. John Maxwell said that. A leader knows the way, goes the way, and shows the way. If you know the way, if you know how to follow God, then you show someone else how to do that, and then you um, no go. go well, you got to go the way. So you got to live that, and then you got to show someone else how to do that. That's making disciples. It's as simple as that. I'm sitting. I told you I'm sitting down with my daughter every week, and I'm showing her how to have a quiet time. I'm showing her. I know how, but I got to show her how, so she'll do that. And her kids will do that. And their kids will do that. You see what I'm saying? Now, at Crossroads, we say this. Our mission is to be and build disciples. That's what we say. Our mission is to be a disciple and to build other disciples. And that's really the definition of a disciple, someone who's walking with Jesus and helping other people walk with Jesus. And if that's the definition of a disciple, here's my question. Why are so few people doing that? Why are so few people doing that? I'm glad Jesus didn't stop at that. Listen to what he did. In this high priestly prayer in John 17, he says, Righteous Father, I know you. And he's just saying, God, it's good to be in relationship with you. God, Heavenly Father, it's good to be known by you. It's good to know you. I enjoy our relationship. But I'm so glad Jesus didn't stop at just knowing God. He later in that prayer, he says this, I have made you known. I have made you known. If you know God, you can make him known. And because Jesus was faithful to make God known to a, a small group, a band of, of people, and they were faithful to take what they knew about God and pass it on to other people, and then through the years and through the centuries, nameless people that you and I will never know till we get to heaven were faithful to pass on the message and the lifestyle of Jesus Christ to the next generation, and you and I are standing or standing or sitting, sitting here this morning because they were faithful to pass it on to us. That is God's plan for making disciples, for multiplying disciples. And I've got to end with the right, the same question. What else would we be living for than that right there? This gripped me when I was a student. I told you that story. 
I got a job and I was an engineer and I was working as an engineer. We had some interns come through. This young kid, we went to Georgia Tech. Uh, and so I started hanging out with Ian. I was, I was trying to befriend him and, and help him become a disciple of Christ. And I got to share the good news. I shared the scriptures from the, God, the book of John with him. And he understood that Jesus claimed to be God and that he had died on the cross and that he rose from the dead. And that if you have faith in him, you could have forgiveness and salvation and a new life in Christ. And he understood all that. And then I said, so Ian, are you ready? Are you ready to make that? Are you ready to have Christ be your Lord and your Savior? He said, this is a quote, I'm having way too much fun in college. I'm not going to do that. Broke my heart. He stopped working where I worked. We lost touch. I took a job as a, on a staff in a church in LaGrange, Georgia. And I got an email one day. And it said, "Is this? if this is the Rod Zwimke, like there's any, any other Rod Zwimkes, right? If this is the Rod Zwemke that used to work at Barrett Woodard and Associates, email me back. It's Ian Carr. I said, okay, this is, this is crazy. I email him back. He says, Rod, I'm ready. I'm ready. He said, if I drove down from Atlanta to LaGrange, could you lead me to Christ? I said, maybe. <laughs> I said, when can you get down here, Ian? He comes down. He finds Christ to be his Savior and his Lord. I get the privilege of baptizing him at the church I was serving in. But we're miles apart. I couldn't I couldn't be a father to him like I wanted to be. So when we moved back up here to start this church, the first thing I did was say, Ian, I'm back. When can you start meeting, buddy? And I spent two years with another guy I knew, discipling him and helping him grow. Can I tell you? Praise God. He's led his wife to Christ. He's a leader in his family. He's a deacon in a church. And he loves Jesus Christ. He's a disciple that's making more disciples. Because God's plans work if we work his plan of making disciples. If you're, if you're spiritually mature, you are to be a spiritual father or mother to other people. That's what the scripture teaches us. So my question is, who is your child? Who's your man or woman or kid that you're pouring into? Who's under your wing? Can I tell you boldly, if you consider yourself spiritually mature, but you're not doing this, you're not as mature as you think. So my challenge for those of you that say, I'm ready to make disciples. I want to make disciples. My challenge for you is to jump in, to find a few people to pour into. And if you say, listen, I, I want to get there, but I'm not there yet, then what you need to do is decide today that you need someone to take you under their wing and show you what it means to follow Jesus Christ and go through the growing process so that one day you can what? Make more disciples. Those are the only two action steps today. When you break it down, we're either doing one or the other. My prayer is that you'll do both. Grow to love Jesus Christ and be used by him to make more disciples. Let's pray together. Father, it's just awesome to think of what you've done for us through your son, Jesus Christ. The message of forgiveness and reconciliation is so good, God, that you've forgiven us through your son. That he paved a way that when he died on the cross and he rose from the dead, you gave us a new life. Not that we deserved it or earned it. You give it to us through your son and through faith in him. And Father, because that news is so great, it is not meant to be kept to ourselves. It is meant to be shared.
And so, Father, all around this room, I'm going to ask for decisions in people's hearts this morning. If you're at the place where you want to grow and learn how to become a disciple of Jesus Christ so that others can be made disciples through your life, just tell God that right now. God, grow me so that someday I can make disciples for you. You just tell him that right now. And if you're a spiritually mature person in this room and you're not making disciples, you're not investing in a few people, right now will you just tell God, God, today I've decided I'm going to make disciples for you. I want to make disciples that make more disciples so that all the world will know how great you are. Father, I thank you. You include us to be a part of your plan, to be part of what you're doing, to redeem a lost world back to yourself. Lord, thank you for that privilege. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.